Thanks for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you have any questions about our series in Colossians or any of the things that go along with that or other blogs or other uh, podcasts, don't hesitate to go to parkhillschurch.com. I was misunderstanding. I thought we were going to talk about Gnosticism. Uh, I didn't know we were going to talk about Gnosticism. No, yeah, just, it's the same thing. I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Gnosticism and Gnosticism. I just don't understand the G. But anyway. It's like pneumonia. <laughs> yeah, pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you speak to this in a minute too, Chris, Chris but it seems that, that you know talking about Gnosticism is appropriate here because there seems to be a lot of references to it here in the epistles and here, especially coming up in, in the next chapter as well. But uh, here we have Gnosticism and this uh, school of thought or teaching that really just shared uh, a, a, some central ideas. And one was that there's sort of a divine uh, spark, if you will, in all humans and that creation itself is is evil, the physical world and, and, and the world that that which was created was certainly not created by a, a perfect God, by one maybe who failed along the way, which we know isn't true. And, and also that uh, the idea of salvation was by illumination, where we know more and we come to come back to the spiritual realm or whatever. It's all about the spirit. And they, there's some idea, too, that even this all started with Simon, the magician that we find in Acts chapter 8. Remember, we talked about him some months back uh, and that he, you know, he was one that had the insufficient faith. But then later, as the church history tells us that uh, he was claiming to be a great God and that he was uh, coming down from heaven and the accompanying prostitute with him, Helena, was his first creation. So <laughs> there's some interesting ideas rooted in, in all this, uh, whether or not he, how much he founded it or not, then is debatable. Yeah. The, the problem with Gnosticism is it both exists and yet doesn't exist at the same time. So it's, it's similar to what we were just talking about, that I don't know that any prosperity gospel preacher considers themselves to be a prosperity gospel preacher, right? I mean, if I, if I pulled Benny Hinn aside and said, brother, you're preaching the prosperity gospel, it's not a true gospel. You need to repent and come to, to a true knowledge of what Jesus is all about, he would say something along the lines, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. We, even though we would say, man, you're preaching about God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be wise. So if God's going to give you all these great things in this life, that's what's the most important thing. And so why wouldn't you chase after the best of the best? And he would say, well, that's just, that's my understanding of a couple of passages of scripture. And he would say, that's, that's clearly what it is. And even though we would make arguments about, well, no, the gospel's much more dynamic than that and the prosperity gospel is missing, he would say, well, I'm not a prosperity preacher, so I don't know what you're talking about. In the same way, if you pulled someone aside in the first or second century and said, well, you're a Gnostic, I don't know that they would agree with that label. But what the Gnostics were doing was they were taking an idea that was somewhat rooted in what we would call Platonic thought. So that's Plato. Mm -hmm. And then also an idea rooted in some interesting readings of the Old Testament, 
one of those being that God, God the Father is something big and amazing, but yet there's an inferior creator God who created all that we know, the physical realm, and then led Adam and Eve astray. And then God needed to save us by sending a version of himself, which they would call the wisdom or the, you know, the Sophia of God down to the planet to fix the problem. So when you start to read about Jesus in John 1 and talks about the Logos, actually there's a lot of connection there to some of these these frameworks that we would read about in some of the Gnostic thought and the Gnostic idea. The problem is what the Gospels are doing and what the New Testament is doing is laying it out that their understanding, the Gnostic understanding of the Bible is wrong, but they're doing so by even using some of the same language. So what happens then is this Gnostic thought idea that starts to plant itself uh, in the early church, you know, right around the time of the writing of the Colossians, it becomes fully grown or it you know, becomes a mature uh, heresy in the 2nd and 3rd century A.D. Gains so would, momentum, yeah. Yep, so that would be after 100 A.D. and after 200 A.D. And to the point where after 200 A.D., it's actually eventually called a heresy and kicked out of the church completely. They, they didn't allow it anymore. But what's funny is even what you're talking about, like the physical body being lesser and the spiritual force being more, that's a very new agey concept that's even today, right? That's the idea that our bodies are broken. They're not what they really should be. We should be pursuing some kind of special knowledge, some kind of special whatever. And so what's amazing is the Gnostics would say they, they aren't Gnostic, but yet we the tenets of the Gnostic faith we see and the early church fathers kind of pushed them out and moved them away from or, or called them heretics and moved them away from like, you know, what the Orthodox ideal faith was. Right. But then at the same time, Part of what Paul's pushing back on here in Colossians is whether it's Gnosticism, it's definitely a proto-Gnostic thought. It's this idea of my body is insufficient. I need to pursue some kind of special knowledge. I need to pursue something different. And so we're laying this idea out in this podcast because it shows up in your verses that you just preached uh, on Sunday. But then it also is going to show itself numerous times throughout the book. And what Paul's going to keep reminding them is you're not chasing after special knowledge. The knowledge is in Christ. It's the fullness of God dwelt in him. And that's the idea that Paul's trying to lay out and and the, the Colossians aren't quite getting it. Yeah, and I mean, in chapter two is going to be though. Be careful of the hollow and deceptive philosophies. Just don't let yourself get into that. Even the darkness and light, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. But I, I think of uh, the first letter to Timothy, chapter six. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called. And knowledge or mm-hmm. gnosis. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. So in Greek, that's a good job of your Greek right there. Yeah. So it's, it is in Greek, it is gnosis. It's, it's this weird thing. Uh, but it, yeah, it just means like a, a revelation or some type of knowledge. There's some kind of secret out there that needs to be found. You know, you remember the book a few years ago that everyone made a big splash on the, the secret, this idea that if I surround myself with the right kinds of knowledge and the right kinds of things, I'll, I'll achieve what God has called me to, to achieve. And they use the, the phrase God there is a little g as opposed to, you know, the all-encompassing God that we're talking about. But what's amazing is the like you just said, the Gnostics are chasing after special knowledge, and this special knowledge they believed was in this, this pre-creator God. And so what's amazing is they even used Jesus as the example of the one who would save us, but because Jesus saved us, there's no way he was physical. And so mm-hmm. this becomes what we call docetism, right, yep. or docetism. And the idea there is that Christ was, 
here on the planet, but he was never fully human. He looked like he was, but he was fully divine and under no circumstances what, what we saw, his human body, which is a heresy that we've pushed back on and said, there's no way. Jesus is 100% man and 100% God at all times. And so in Jesus, you could say, yes, there's a special knowledge that lives within him, but he's made it known to all of us. That's the wisdom that Paul's talking about. That's what Paul's saying when he says the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing. It's the idea that God created the planet. The planet was good. Even our physical, you know, the things that I'm touching right now, the table and the chair, all of these things are good. God is is good. He loves these things. Yet humans chose to join a rebellion and that rebellion had to be dealt with and it was dealt with fully in Jesus Christ and we were saved from it. Seems appropriate then to expand into this whole idea of Paul talking about moving from uh, the darkness into the light. And it's interesting. He said, you share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And then he's transferred us from the domain of dark, darkness or Satan's domain. In Acts 26, we read, To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. There's that same thought again of just coming out of that darkness. And uh, would it be safe to say that Paul's referencing uh, the Gnostic thoughts that are going out of there, including included in that when he's saying you're coming out of that darkness or that deceit. Yeah, and whether it's – yeah, it's a good point. And the question is whether it, they would consider it Gnostic or even if – like I said, there's some debate about whether the Gnostics would have – if that word even existed yet because we didn't even see it starting to pop up until Irenaeus in, this, in the first century – and then the, the term Gnosticism isn't even used until the 19th century or 17th century, somewhere in there. So the idea is you've got this phrase and this concept that we think we know that we're trying to nail down. And moving from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is a very biblical concept, which is why the early church fathers also called the Gnostics serpents. So there's a number of phrases that they used about the Gnostics. Uh, they were serpents. And so the idea was there was this lie that they were choosing to follow, this idea that you know, we're not quite what we could be and we could be more. And what Paul's saying, yeah, is, is whether it's Greek philosophical thought or whether it's Roman philosophical thought or whether it's, you know, the religions of all the gods, whether it's the deities that have, uh, you know, they're living on Mount Olympus for the Greeks or they're, you know, they're, they're living in the pantheon for the Romans. Uh, all of these ideas, uh, whether it's new, uh, sorry, Near Eastern religions, Mesopotamian religions or Greek or, or Roman religions, all of these things have these deities, these individuals who are in charge of, you know, earth and light and power and fire and wind and water and, and all of this stuff. What Paul's saying is you are trapped in this darkness. All of these, whether you want to call them gods or whether you want to call them the kingdom of Satan or whether you wanted to call it the – whatever you want to call that, Colossians, you were moved from that. You were whatever transferred out were of that into. messed up kingdom into the kingdom of light. And so live like it. Don't think the way you used to think. Think, think right thoughts. Think the way you're supposed to think, which is that you are special. You are important. God made you. God created you. God loves you enough that he'd send his son to die on the cross, rise from the grave to, to redeem you and pull you back. And as he redeems you and pulls you back, now you have access to a new way of life. Yeah, it's not the first time we see this whole idea of darkness. I mean, 
Jesus made reference to it when he was betrayed and arrested. He says, when I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay, lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. I mean, he's just calling it what it is. It's, it's darkness and deceit. You know, even uh, Paul in his letter to Ephesus is talking about the present darkness. You're in, you're in the battle that you're waging war and the enemy ha- is powerful. We need to remember that. There's, there's power that the enemy has and his uh, way of working. I love this, I, the, the comparison between darkness and, and deceit, because to not know the truth is to really be in darkness, isn't it? And, and this idea of the darkness is powerful because within it you can be deceived. You don't see, you don't understand. You can fall prey to philosophies. But when you're brought into the kingdom of light and share in the inheritance of the saints and, and live by that truth, you know it. It's freeing to be in the light. Mm-hmm. And it's not just freeing, but it, it shows your full purpose. You're, you're not just a body and a soul. You're all of that connected to – it's all of it connected to one piece. It's not – you're not broken up. Part of you is evil and part of you is good. You're, you're rebelling against God and you need saving. And he's redeemed all of you. He's pulled all of you out of that kingdom into the better kingdom. Uh, so that's totally it. I mean it's a really, it's a really beautiful concept. And you can also see the treachery in, in the Gnostic thought. This idea that I'm not quite good enough, or this isn't quite good enough, or I need to receive special knowledge and chase after it. And this shows itself in a lot of even Christian traditions at times, where individuals will say, you've received Christ, but now you need another version of him, or you need yeah. a fuller version of him, chase after the better version of him. And so we see this you know, in the book of Hebrews, it's clear that there's some kind of special knowledge that's being chased after, and they're, they're looking after these angelic beings to be the special power. Uh, you know, here in the Colossians, uh, this letter to them, we we see something about they're chasing after some kind of special something, whether that's special knowledge or special understanding. And what Paul's cautioning them is, no, 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 you've received everything you need to receive in Christ. Now just pursue him. Let him be the one who guides you. Let him be the one who leads you and saves you. And that's where that informed instruction comes from. He's he's saying, no, yeah, you've got it. That faith, that love and hope is is evidence of that. Now you know what to, you know you're on the right track, so keep pursuing that and realize there's going to be all these things that are going to want to derail you, and that's why his instruction is so specific and, and so powerful for us even today. Yeah. So it's good. And I mean, that's a big part of what the Colossians, what that letter is going to be all about. So as we look through it and, and consider it, just notice those words. If you see something like a special wisdom or you're chasing after special knowledge or you're, you're looking for this, what's really under the surface there, whether you want to call it Gnosticism or proto-Gnosticism, or if you just want to call it a thought where it separates the physical from the spiritual, all of it is wrong. What Paul is saying is you're, you're made the way God made you there's no reason for you to stay in self-loathing. And also, Christ was the fullness of God dwelling in human form. It's not a one or the other. It's a both and. Yep. And that's better theology. Yep. And the knowledge that Paul wants us to increase in, or God does, is the knowledge of him, mm-hmm. the knowledge of his word. So may that be a thing that challenges us as we not only read the book, but begin to apply it to our life and think about how to live it out, is that we would be people who are are 
bearing fruit as we talked about in the last podcast in all the ways we're supposed to and that our lives would reflect the glory of God and and just live it out and be what he wants us to be. Right on. Mm-hmm.